What is the nature of Ramana's teaching? What is the ultimate purpose of the teaching of Ramana Maharshi? We've heard many words like enlightenment, liberation, moksha, mukti, nirvana, sunyata, liberation, self-realization, awakening. What does it mean in the context of the teaching of Ramana Maharshi and what is the purpose of his teaching? So this word moksha is about the end, cutting the knot of your egoic identity. This is the whole purpose of Ramana's teaching, is to cut through the knot of egoic identity, which is this very visceral, physical feeling that you are your body. And it doesn't live in the intellectual understanding. Intellectual understanding gives you the context of understanding his teaching, right? So it gives you a context, but you can't stay in context. You must have the direct experience of the living truth within you. And the yogic practices that Ramana recommended is a great sacred fire, a purification, a cleanse of the electromagnetic field that you are. So you are unseen conscious light. This is who you are beyond name and form. So the purpose of Ramana's teaching is to realize Turiya initially. And Turiya is the stateless state of bliss. For some reason, there is this ongoing conversation and focus on bliss states that occur in various satsang halls around the world. It doesn't matter who the teacher is. And so bliss has become the holy grail of moksha. And this really has, bliss states that come and go has nothing to do with Ramana Maharshi or his teaching. It doesn't do anything for you, a bliss state because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. All states of consciousness change. And Turiya never changes. And there are various yogic practices that Ramana recommended so that you can focus your conscious awareness on the source in your heart consistently, not just once in a while. And the goal is not to produce a bliss state. And this is seen by so many people, bliss states where people are blissed out, their eyes glow, their face is shiny. 
And this has been acknowledged as a sign of progress. And it's not that. It is not a sign of progress. <laughs> it's really that simple. It's just a state that can easily be produced. You can produce a bliss state right now if you stop giving your attention to your mind and whatever it is saying and focus solely on your heart for an hour. Just one hour. And you can repeat a mantra, say, I am, I am, or so hum, so hum. And focus on the heart for an hour, and you can produce a bliss state. You can stare at a wall and produce a bliss state, but that has nothing to do with the teaching of Ramana Maharshi. The yogic practices are removing, cleansing, removing veils of consciousness that hide the source within you, this vast, unseen, intelligent presence of God, Shiva, presence, quantum field, sunyata, nirvana, turiya, turiya tita. So forget the words. There is an unseen presence. And when you align with that presence through the yogic practices, you naturally become happier and happier over time. But it is an evolutionary process, and there is no avoiding the cleanse. There is no avoiding the cleanse. You have to clean through, you have to burn through the karma that has accumulated for many, many eons. So when you, when you realize that this teaching of Ramana is an evolutionary process, there's no such thing as instant enlightenment, which has been propagated throughout the West for, through various teachers. But that's not the nature of Ramana's teaching. And Ramana himself is often held up as the poster child of instant enlightenment because he had a permanent realization at the age of 16. And that's what was true in the context of this life. But Ramana himself said that he remembered previous incarnations where he was practicing vichara, self-inquiry, but he died before he was liberated. Right. So this life, at the age of 16, it was the continuation of the practice that started in another incarnation. And when I first met Sri Amakarunamai, this was one of my primary questions. Is I, first of all, I was shocked that she appeared in my life. I wasn't expecting an avatar to appear. And she spent an entire weekend answering my questions. She went through many different lifetimes that Ramana went through. So Ramana himself said it was an evolutionary process. And in the Ramana Gita and various documents that were left behind, 
it clearly states what yogic practices are required. So if you're looking at this as a goal it's or an attainment, that's not really it. It's a removal, right? It's a burning through the genetic tendencies, the sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic tendencies. These must be addressed. The karma, the parabdha karma must be burned through. So, And these yogic practices do that for you. So Turiya is stateless. So if you've had a real, direct, permanent realization of Turiya, it doesn't come and go. This is the sign that you're looking for. If you're looking for progress, it is continuous and it does not leave you regardless of what your mind is doing, what your body is doing, what your circumstances are doing. So the body changes over time, your thoughts change over time, your circumstances change constantly. What you feel is constantly changing. And if you give your attention to that which is constantly changing, then you're going to be on the roller coaster of emotional change. One minute you're going to be happy, when the next you're going to be blissed out. After that you're going to be raging, blah, 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 right? So the purpose of Ramana's teaching is liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering. Liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering. This is the great ocean of suffering known as samsara the great wandering through lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes of suffering. It's emerging from the hell realm of karmic birth and death, birth and death, birth and death, again and again and again, over and over and over again. So the power of Ramana's teaching is contained in silence, in vachara, in the mantra, in prayer, all of it as vachara. When I say vachara, this is the confrontation of you as a body this egoic identity, this me that you feel that you are. This is what vachara is, but it's not a mental process. It is a shakti energy. So the presence known as the self, which is God, Shiva, the formless presence of God, is still. It, it does not move. It does not change. It's within you and all around you, and it's vast and indescribable. There are no words in the human lexicon to describe the universal nature, this profound, infinite presence that is absolutely still. But within that stillness, there is the power of creation, so it's infinitely still and it moves to create. So this is the paradox of the self. This is the paradox of God. It's stillness 
and it contains the power of creation, which is Shakti. In the human form, it's Shakti energy emerges from, your mind is Shakti energy that emerges from the still presence of your heart. And from that wave, that unformed wave of consciousness emerges thought. So mind as thought is not real and non-existent. Mind as a wave is eternal because it's never separate from the self. So when you leave your body, your experience of life, the actions and inaction you took during your life is stored in the electromagnetic field. And this is what reincarnates again and again and again until there's complete resolution. And then on the other side of that, after liberation, it's the great mystery. Tita, sunyata, beyond, beyond, beyond comprehension, beyond any idea of peace or nirvana or enlightenment. So you have to begin where you are and remove any expectations that you might have of instant. Forget about any expectation of instant realization, clicking your fingers, and suddenly you're the Buddha. It does not work that way. And this is one of the false teachings that's being propagated around the world, that you can take the spiritual bypass and suddenly you're the enlightened master when it's just simply not true. It's one of the great lies that's being presented as truth and it's a powerful lie because it's built on the absolute truth. Because in the absolute sense, you are already liberated, but that does nothing to liberate you. That thought does nothing to liberate you. So what's required is the focused attention on the source until this me dissolves into that source as Taria, which is stateless. It's the unending bliss, the unalloyed happiness that Ramana Maharshi talked about. But for it to become your permanent direct experience, these yogic practices, which are sadhana, and sadhana means the process of letting go, the art of letting go, so that you are no longer a slave to the mind and body and karma and destiny and your genetic tendencies but you are the pure presence, this light, this electromagnetic energy, and then let go of trying to figure out the mystery. There is not a single person on this planet that understands the mystery, except maybe 
Sri Amakarunamaya, who is an avatar. She is an extremely advanced state of consciousness. And she's misunderstood in the West because her focus is on the ancient Vedic prayer practice of huge ceremonies and fire ceremonies, yagyas, and this is a whole ancient realm of alchemy, and this is what she's focused on in this incarnation, the upliftment of humanity through the power of these ancient practices, meditation, yoga, silence, the yagya, these ancient fire ceremonies, which are prayers to the divine. And it's connecting prayer. True prayer is connecting your heart to the infinite. It's not about praying to get what you want. It's connecting to the infinite, connecting to the presence, right? And it's that presence that uplifts, transforms. It's that presence that supports the evolutionary process, right? But it's a mystery what happens when you leave your body. And you will eventually leave your body. So your time is very, very precious. While you have a body and you can listen to this podcast, it's important if what you want is liberation. And this is the primary purpose of life. The primary purpose of everyone's life is salvation, redemption, enlightenment, moksha. I don't care what label you give it, but your eternal salvation is essential for your evolution on an electromagnetic plane, which is beyond human understanding. So the stateless state of Turiya is permanent. It never comes, it never goes. If you're sad, it's present. If you're angry, it's present. If you're frustrated, it's present. It's underneath all of those emotions. It's underneath them. But if you're constantly giving your attention to the emotions and the drama that is constantly unfolding in your life, and you're in the process of creating stories and blaming everybody else but yourself for how you feel, then there is no possibility of progress for you. Bliss states that come and go mean nothing. It is no different than a sadness state that comes and goes or an anger state that comes and goes. Real bliss never comes and goes. So then the question is, well, how do you do that? How do you become established in the presence of pure, unending bliss? And this is what yoga is all about. This is the fire of yoga. 
the lineage and teaching of Ramana Arunachala Shiva is fire mountain. This is the fire of Shiva that burns away everything that is false, every false idea you have about yourself, all, all of your karma, all of your genetic tendencies has to be surrendered to this fire of grace. And it's that grace that sets you free. This is known as Guru's grace, but it's the unseen presence of God that sets you free. You never can set yourself free as long as you're in a body. It's the self that sets you free. So this is why surrender is essential. And by surrender, uh, Ramana was so beautiful in describing this because it's like being a sugar doll that dives into the ocean, right? So the ocean is the self. It's the stillness with the power of creation that can move and create. Shakti. So when you align with these practices, with the Shakti power within you, the kundalini shakti is at the base of the spine and it's dormant until you start this process of awakening. And when that kundalini energy awakens at the base of your spine, the evolutionary process begins. So what yoga did Ramana recommended? Pranava, pranayama, Right? These are the practices that have the power to clean out this electromagnetic field within you. It has the power to do that. But you have to actually apply the teaching in order for that to come to fruition. Right? You have to stay with it long enough so that the burn eventually cuts the knot of egoic identity, which is reflective consciousness. So the ego is reflective, meaning it's reflecting your senses, your sight, your smell, your taste, and it pulls you into the mental realm, into the mind realm of thought. But because thoughts change, ultimately mind as thought doesn't exist. But Mind as wave does, because it is the Shakti energy of creation that emerges from the self. And when you give your attention to the self consistently, the mind is purified and becomes quieter and quieter and quieter. And your perspective of life changes dramatically you do not react to things the same way as most people do. You don't get angry. You don't follow the impulse to be right. You're just still observing, welcoming, in radical acceptance of whatever is unfolding in your life, right? So this is the power of presence when you are aligned with it because the self never hates. The self is never angry. The self is never jealous. And in the core of your being, you are this eternal light. It is never jealous, never boastful, never angry, 
never full of arrogance and pride. This presence is love. It is stillness. It is the power of the entire universe. And it is within you and all around you. And it's this power of God that sets you free permanently. And while you're still in the body, your consistent perspective will be the bliss of Taria that you are. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti Om.